the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. The views and opinions expressed by Rob Black and his guests are not necessarily those of KDOW or its management owners or advertisers and should not be construed as legal tax or investment advice. Always consult with the appropriate advisor before making any investment or financial planning decision. Welcome in. I'm Rob Black, talking money, investing, and more. Thanks for listening to the show. 800-516-1220 to get your calls on the air. It's 800-516-1220 to get your calls on the air. Anything that you want to talk about, we can talk about. Let's talk a little um, drones. Um, obviously, we've seen some really cool stories on drones. Pizzas are going to be delivered by drones. People in the South are going to use their guns to shoot down drones. There's going to be a lot of drones, 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 right? Amazon.com is going to deliver packages. Again, people shoot down said drone and grab said package. Um, Planes may crash because of drones. There's a lot of sexy stories about them. Now, after Hurricane Harvey and Irma inundated Houston, Florida, claiming the lives of, I think, about 80-plus people and causing... $100 $100 billion plus dollars in damage to the Texas coastline and all up and down Florida. The FAA granted more than 100 permits for drones to work in search and rescue. Damage assessment and for the media. Now, that's pretty cool. I think that was a coming-of-age moment, so to speak. Drones were deployed in Texas to triage repairs to bridges, roads, water treatment plants, and other key infrastructure, while officials used them to improve their understanding of flooding and drainage so as to better prepare for future storms. In the private arena, drones were used by companies like Allstate and Travelers. They released squadrons of them to assess property damage. AT&T surveyed its mobile phone towers, while power suppliers and energy and chemical companies inspected refineries, pipelines, fuel tanks, um, electric lines. Companies like Union Pacific used drones to pinpoint railroad track subsidence issues make sure that their trains weren't going to come unhinged from the line. Um, So drones were able to go into dangerous and impenetrable places. First responders flew drones in search and rescue missions, not just to protect human life. Ranchers actually searched for cattle that was dispersed by floodwaters using the technology. Investors interested in playing the rise of the drone based on hurricanes Harvey and Irma. You know, you got to start thinking about who's who's a player here. There's Aero Environment, uh, take some AVAV. There's Lockheed Martin LMT. And there's Boeing BA. They all have big business around them tied towards defense-oriented spending. Now, when you get a drone, you are gonna have to drill down to figure out the finished product, especially when you're doing like the farming issues. Um, there's a lot of data. And who dominates data right now? Amazon Web Services, ticker symbol Amazon, A-M-Z-E-N, Microsoft Azure, M-S-F-T, Alibaba, ticker symbol Baba, Google G-O-O-G. And if you use that artificial intelligence along with data collection and analysis by the drones, you can get a lot of better decision making based on you know your ideas for capital deployment, higher returns on investments. 
on top of all this, you get companies who have the chip makers that go inside the drones. Like this is a $127 billion, you know, market. You get Texas Instruments, TXN, Xilinx, XLNX, Microchip Technologies, MCHP, Intel, INTC. Um, you know, in January of 2016, Intel acquired Ascending Technologies, which is a maker of the Falcon 8 commercial drone. Um, so building the drones and having the semiconductors power them, you know, I'm giving you all the names and players at this point in time. Drones are, I'm not going to say the internet of the 21st century where it disrupts several industries that, you know, are so unprepared because I, I think a lot of people see them working hand in hand with a lot of industries like the insurance industry, but their ability to tap you know, areas that, you know, they can function faster into is pretty cool, making things more efficient and work at lower costs. So farmers can use water more efficiently and improve yields through soil analysis and early disease detection. Companies like Deere announced um, in September of 2017 that they would buy Blue River Technologies for $305 million, which is a startup that utilizes artificial intelligence to identify and spray individual weeds with pesticide. That's something that a drone can do a lot more cheaper and more efficiently than a John Deere tractor. Airbus in May of 2016 announced the formation of the Munich-based Airbus Aerial to provide uh, services to clients in agriculture, insurance, energy, and government. So that could be worth up to $120 billion annually as far as an industry. Siemens is sending um, drones to inspect offshore wind turbines and expects them to carry out repairs once three-dimensional printing technologies advance. So Silicon Valley-based company called Zipline uh, has been flying blood products to 21 hospitals in Rwanda and will expand next year to Tanzania where it will use fixed-wing drones to deliver vaccines, HIV, and malaria medications and medical supplies to 1,000 health facilities, covering 10 million people in some of the East Africa's uh, country's most remote places. So, um, frivolously, and that's where the, you know, the world lives, is in frivolous moments, Domino's Pizza delivered the first pizza by drone in New Zealand in November at a cost considerably lower than that incurred by a human driver of a car or a motor scooter. Now, again, not everyone lives in New Zealand, and not everyone lives, you know, hours from a pizza place or miles from a pizza place. But it was pretty frivolous, but also an issue where Domino's was able to make a little bit of money. Amazon's conducting narrow tests of drone delivery of packages. They're doing the test right now in the UK. Chinese e-commerce company JD.com began delivering payloads of up to 30 kilograms by drone in November. It's testing drones that can haul as much as 1,000 kilograms, um, 620 miles. Goldman Sachs, expects, Goldman Sachs expects that the industries, such as construction, agriculture, and insurance, will spend $13 billion on drones between last year and 2020, while the FAA expects more than 400,000 commercial drones to be in use by 2021. Markets can start to take off, pun intended, uh, once the FAA completes operational guidelines to uh, let these drones safely fly into existing air traffic. So there's a lot going on when you talk drones, huh? Like, you didn't realize that there's companies that are delivering medicines in Rwanda. Uh, parts are war-torn, and you get, you know, 
a hospital van carrying blood samples and it doesn't make it there because some warlord wants the van for himself or he wants to terrorize the people and destroy blood samples that perish when they get warm. Um, so HIV and malaria infections could go down in the world. Uh, more people can get better health because of drones. It's all pretty good stuff. You know, again, some of the players are Deer and Airbus, ticker symbol DE and AIR, Siemens, a uh, foreign-based uh, publicly traded company. Texas Instruments, Xilinx, Microchip, and Intel, all players in the semiconductor side of the fence. Amazon Web Services, Microsoft, Alibaba, and Google, all on the, the data side. But the makers, you know, Lockheed Martin, Boeing, and Aerovivarant, um, all makers of actual drones. Now, Boeing, when you buy Boeing, you get 737s and 767s and 787s, but you also get missiles. And you also get drones. I'm Rob Black, talking to all things financial, money, investing, and more. Find me online at Rob Black Show, Twitter Rob Black Show, YouTube Rob Black Show. Catch Rob Black and Rob Black and Your Money live on the Bay Area Airwaves, weekday mornings from 7 to 9 on AM 1220 KDOW and streaming live on the KDOW radio app or KDOW.biz. And don't forget the weeknight replay at 7. I'm Rob Black, talking money, investing, and more. There's so much going on. In the headlines, I would imagine it's pretty tough to be an individual investor. You get things along the lines of headlines like uh, bond market. Is it in a bubble or not? And then you're like, what is a bond market a bubble? You kind of get an internet bubble, right? You kind of see Yahoo going from $10 a share to $250 a share years ago. And you're like, well, maybe it'll go to 260 and that's when you start getting that bubble mentality. You're like, it doesn't even make sense that it goes from 10 to 20. That happens once in a lifetime for some people. 10 to 250 doesn't happen all that often. And we're seeing it happen again and again and again sometimes. A lot less so now than back in 98, 99, 2000. So you still have those bubbly, bubblicious. Remember that bubble gum? Man, that was delicious. There's a rumor. Do you remember when there was a rumor that there spider eggs were bubblicious? Uh-oh, I'm showing my age. Um, so, but you get the idea. Um, I think you get the idea. Maybe you don't get the idea. Um, bubblicious. So there used to be like a hundred internet stocks that were kind of crazy. Now you're looking at Tesla. You're looking at Amazon. You can't really say that about Apple because you see a PE there and PEs have always been the groundwork for, well, there's some reason there. There's this, uh, some earnings in that price. So you don't really know what a bond bubble is. And, uh, you keep hearing, you know, the headlines are pretty scary. North Korea warns of nuclear war at any moment. I don't know. We keep knowing in our history that they threaten, they threaten, they threaten, they never deliver. Will they ever deliver? And maybe that would be the way for us all to end. I think there was a movie, and uh, forgive me if I'm incorrect about this one. Was it called Miracle Mile with Anthony Edwards? Um, it wasn't Miracle Mile. Maybe it was. It was. It was a 1988 film. And uh, it was kind of fantastic. Thought. The premise was, what if you and I are sitting in a cafe? We're on a date, and the phone rings. And on the other end of the phone is someone that says, we just launched the nuclear bombs at North Korea. They've launched them right back at us. We're all going to die. The, 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 the bombs have been sent. And you don't know if you have an hour to live, 
You don't know if you have 10 hours to live. You don't have the person on the other end of the line was crazy. Uh, what's fantastic about the movie Miracle Mile, and since it's 1988, there's a spoiler alert coming up. It's 30 years old, okay? 29 years old. It's Anthony Edwards with hair. Um, it ends, it starts with the meeting at the La Brea Tar Pits for a date, and it ends with their helicopter as they're fleeing the city of L.A. in the middle of the night, um, crashing in the La Brea Tar Pits, and they die. And there is a nuclear war. The whole time you're like, I, want, I don't know if there is, I don't know if there is, and I don't know if there is, I don't know if there isn't. In the last 10 minutes of the film, you start seeing the, the real missiles like showing up. And, uh, you know, it was well-crafted in the sense that maybe a little heavy-handed that it starts with a date at the La Brea Tar Pits where, you know, dinosaurs kind of got wiped out, right? Or, I don't know, what, what's the meaning there? But it ends there, too. Um, anyway, long story short... Sometimes it feels like the headlines feel like that, and maybe that's how North Korea ends things, and maybe they throw some nuclear weapons at us, and maybe all this doesn't mean anything. Uh, but then again, what if it does? Uh, what if they do back off? I'm hoping you're invested, and I hope you're thinking for the long term. So 800-516-1220 to get your calls on the air. A couple other concepts and ideas to chat about, in my opinion. Um, is it, it is a pretty scary headline market, but you still have to kind of craft ahead through it. And I'm hearing more and more talk about Ford and GM and what does the 21st century look like for them if we live in a world where people stop buying used cars? And you're like, wait, wait, why would people stop buying used cars? And like, you're already ahead in the story, like, okay, people are going to be car sharing, they're going to be in the big cities. And you're like, wait, wait, can you say that not buying used cars part about again? So um, information moves kind of fast, right? So Ford is doing cost cuts. They're shifting resources. Um, there's big issues with NAFTA. You know, will we or won't we? What's happening with Trump there or not? I've heard Canada and Mexico, you know, they're starting to retool as if we're negotiating in bad faith. Um, Ford's talking about more smart cars, of which I have a Toyota. I, don't, I hate I hate their smart uh, dash. They've got some sort of system called Intune, which is just trash compared to, it could be Apple or Google's interface. And it's not. Damn you, Toyota. Um, and maybe my next vehicle, if I ever buy a next vehicle, will be uh, more of a smart car. Because Ford started to talk about smart cars, right? So, uh, RBC Capital Markets is talking about Ford. And he says, the CEO of Ford's got a great, solid, long-term vision. Doesn't sound kind of weird. Um, a U.S. auto giant having a long-term vision? Because don't they make cars? Um, it's a $13 stock, and it feels like it's been a $13 stock for a while. And yeah, there's going to be moments where you look at it, it's a $10 stock, and next thing you look at it, it's a $14 stock. But it kind of still feels like a $13 stock. So if there's tax reform, Ford would be well-positioned if Americans have more money. Um... There is growth components in Ford, and some people want Ford and GM to spin those growth components out. Uh, are they further along in electric cars? Are they further along in self-driving cars than we know? Probably. Every now and then we get a glimpse of things along those lines. Will there be a turnaround in the company? Yeah. Will it be a growth company again? Can they kind of be a Tesla, a poor man's Tesla? Perhaps. Um, and then you look at the valuation, the dividend, and you go, that's attractive. But they're not there yet. And Warren Buffett, Warren Buffet once said, turn around, seldomly turn. 
Um, and there's some truth to that, right? So when someone becomes, uh, how shall we say, a sloppy homekeeper, they're probably going to be a sloppy homekeeper forever. Once someone shows that they can't keep a budget, they're probably going to be bad at budgets forever. But early on in the relationship, it's like, what the world needs now is love, sweet love. Do, 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 do. Anyhow, so Ford, I'm not ready to buy it. Um, you have, Warren Buffett once said, you have like, pretend you only have 20 punches on your punch card. Uh, play that way. And I kind of agree with it. Um, so I have to pass on Ford. Could it go from 13 to 20? Sure. Will I miss it? Yeah. But I'm not ready to buy into their long-term version yet, even though there's a juicy dividend and a cheap valuation. I don't see the leadership yet. But again, I'm not following it on a day-to-day basis, 10 hours a day or anything like that. You could be smarter than me. If you work hard, that's what succeeds on Wall Street. Sweat equity versus brain equity. I'm Rob Black, talking all things financial, money, investing, and more. Want the podcast with music? Find the link to the other version of the podcast by going to Rob Black's Twitter. His handle is at Rob Black Show. Listen to Rob Black and Your Money weekday mornings, 7 to 9 on AM 1220 KDOW. I'm Rob Black, talking money, investing, and more. It's Friday, so it's got that free-form Friday feel to it. We jump from hockey tickets to millennials and how much they save and don't save. I'm a little bit, I'm a fan of the stock market, as you know. I'm a fan of real estate, as you know. I'm not the craziest fan of bonds, if you're under the age of 50. Then it starts to make a little bit more sense in the short-term bonds. We're in a bond market that's moving quickly, and as it moves quickly, you don't want to be in longer term, you want to be in shorter term. But I own no bonds, none. Under 50 for now, not forever. 800-516-1220 to get your calls on the air. Um, I think one of the big thoughts in the world, you know, there's you can earn more money to be wealthier. You can save more money to be wealthier over time, but in the short term, you're saving it, so you're probably making sacrifices. Um. A lot of it's mindset and like understanding demographics and feeling comfortable with it. As the baby boomers continue to run into retirement, we know there's going to be more spending on healthcare and healthcare is a good sector because costs are going up and you can invest in healthcare. So some rules that I've learned from people who are older than me on investing. Number one and foremost is stay invested for the long term. The vast majority of retired baby boomers, 92% of them, think Americans need to save more for retirement by getting and staying invested in the market. Four out of five believe Americans should go for a consistent investment strategy with long-term objectives, and only 32% said they would change their strategies based on fluctuating markets. So go long. Have a strategy. That's pretty simple, right? That's not very confusing. It's not very magical. Every two weeks, I invest in the stock market in my 401k. And I max it out every year. And as I approach 50, once you hit 50, you can put in more extra savings, catch up for retirement. It's the Heinz catch-up plan. Um, That's the minimum that I save. Because I also happen to be a big spender. I save more. Because when I take my foot off the the foot of the gas pedal, 
I'm probably not going to get back into it. I was talking to my TV manager this week, and I'm probably going to cut down from four days to three days. Um, and then at some point, I'm going to cut down from three days to two days. Uh, it's just such a long drive. And as I get older, the quality of life is becoming much, much more important to me than, say, looking at your bumper. Over the long term, the stock market news will be good. That's why you have a plan for the long term. In the 20th century, the United States endured two world wars. It had expensive military conflicts. It had the Depression. It's had multiple recessions, a dozen or so of them. There's been some financial panics. The Asian flu. Um, oil shocks. The resignation of a disgraced president. We've had a lot. We've had nuclear strikes in the world. We've had Korea and Iraq War One and Vietnam and Iraq War Two, And overall, the market rose from 66 to 25,000. Are you with me or are you against me? We've had some of the craziest presidents in history. Um, Bubba. Do you remember when Clinton got elected? They called him Governor Bubba. He turned out okay for America. He didn't mess things up. He didn't get drunk at the wheel, per se. Or maybe he did. I don't know. I'm not going to get political. People get mad when you start talking politics. Another thing that older people will tell you is keep an eye on fees. 94% of retired boomers say they want to be able to easily understand what fees they're paying. When I first got in the stock market back in the 90s, when you bought 100 shares of a stock, you paid $400 in commissions. So, hi, I'm Mike. I'm the stockbroker. I work at Smith Barney. And, uh, Rob, you want to go out and get $4,000 of a company called HBO? Is that HBO like uh, on cable? No, it's HBO. It's a medical supply company. I'm going to get $4,000. And then it's like, okay, you got to put $4,400 in your checking account, in your brokerage account. I'm like, wait, wait, $400 of $4,000. That's expensive. It's tough to win. And then the internet just continued to get savvier and savvier and savvier. And now you can basically buy ETFs for free at a lot of brokerages companies. They just want your assets. Or they want a chance to sell you credit cards or other products as well. Want to diversify your portfolio. That's a big one. Remember how I said go long-term, max out your 401k, probably buy a little S&P 500, probably buy a little mid-cap fund, maybe a small-cap fund, maybe an international fund, maybe an emerging markets fund, maybe some sort of income fund, maybe a value fund. So that's your strategy. You go long-term with that. You're pretty diversified. If your paycheck, if you're putting in, I don't know, let's say 500 a paycheck, maybe out of those 10 funds, you know, you're you're dividing it 10% each. I don't know. But that's the starting point, and it's pretty simple to grasp. But if you have extra money to invest, I have no problem with you going out and buying something that you feel is stable. Now, that's where we get into trouble. GE used to be a rock, and then they borrowed money and borrowed money and borrowed money and borrowed money and started becoming very poorly managed. And I don't don't own any GE. I probably own it in some S&P 500 funds, but I don't own it directly. But you sometimes can get caught up and think, like, this company is Teflon. They're bulletproof, and they're not. So super, super important that you diversify. And when you do start buying stocks, buy something you're comfortable with. And, you know, I hate to say it, McDonald's is the easiest one to throw out there, right? Uh, Was McDonald's around when you were a little boy or a little girl? Raise your hand. Will McDonald's be around today? 
They're everywhere. You can't go to a country anywhere in the world and not see them. And it's familiar. Those freaking fracking golden arches. Cows, cows quake when they see those golden arches. So now is McDonald's always going to be the best stock? Hell no. You know that there's going to be times where you're like, man, I wish I really would have sold all my McDonald's and bought Amazon. And that's when you have to identify yourself as greedy. And there's going to be times where McDonald's doesn't do anything. And the stock market goes down and it under, it, it goes down with the stock market. And that's when you become fearful. Greed and fear are bad, 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 bad for your portfolio Greed is good and for your investments and for your wealth. Now that doesn't mean that you can't say, because I own something stable, like my 401k index funds, I'm going to own something like McDonald's. And now, because I feel pretty comfortable with McDonald's, I'm going to go out and buy something like an Amazon, where one is growthy and one is more value-oriented. So diversifying is, is, is a great way of doing it. It's a safe path to a better retirement. I see a lot of people who all they have is Apple, or all they have is Amazon, or all they have is Netflix. And what you fear there is Jeff Bezos secretly building a Death Star behind the moon. And then all of a sudden we see it come out from behind the moon and Jeff Bezos is riding on top of the Death Star in one of his rockets. And is the other evil dictator, Elon Musk, is beating building a Death Star too at the same exact time. They crash into each other and they crash in the moon and the moon crashes into the earth and we all die. So you don't want to own too many evil companies that are like super powerful and that create trillionaires and billionaires and gazillionaires. Everything in moderation, even moderation. You want to protect yourself from market downturns. How do you do that? That's a tougher one. That's easier said than done. 80% of retirees said it's important to protect your nest egg and lower your risk of losses when markets swing downwards. 30% said they wish they knew earlier about what to do when markets start getting shaky. So it's pretty easy on how to do that in index funds. You go, if I'm going to have 10 funds and I'm going to weight them at 10% each, when one of them, like the value goes down to 8% and the growth goes up to 12%, you sell 2% of the growth and buy 2% more of the value. So what you're doing is you're selling a winner to buy a loser. Now, I tend to believe more often than not, you do the exact opposite when it comes to stocks. You sell the losers and you buy the winners. To me, success or failure starts at the top. And if a company's stock is sitting at a 52-week high, their CEO and their board is doing something correct, in my opinion. And you reward that because they know what they're doing. If a stock's sitting at a 52-week low, you go, hmm, stock market's at an all-time high and the stock's at a 52-week low. They're doing something wrong. Now, again, that's very generic advice for a lot of specific stocks. you got to be a little bit on the more careful side than that. You can find me online at Rob Black Show, Twitter Rob Black Show, YouTube our Rob Black Show. Don't forget, there's another hour of today's show to listen to. Find it now at kdow.biz or on the KDOW radio app. I'm Rob Black talking money, investing, and more. Ho, ho, ho. Happy holidays. You're listening to Best of Black. Now I'm live. Happy New Year! How long can you say Happy New Year for until it becomes officially not cool to say Happy New Year? I think we're probably, probably right at the cusp of that. Tacky! 
San Jose, California and Raleigh, North Carolina have something in common. Let's think about that for just a second. Raleigh, North Carolina and San Jose, California. Do you know your way to San Jose? Raleigh, North Carolina, home of the Research Triangle. Now, if I was a 20-something, and I'm not a 20-something, but if I were, I'd be attracted to the Raleigh, North Carolina area because it's a lot of young people. Young people like hanging out with young people. Young people don't like old people. Old people smell like dying dogs. And young people can smell that dying dog, and they want nothing to do with it. Ah! So young people want to hang out with young people. Is it fair? Am I wrong? They want to hang out at NC State. They want to hang out at UNC. They want to hang out at Duke. They want to hang out post-college years and and kind of like relive their college years and and their days, so to speak. My advice to you is to start drinking heavily. Then you get San Jose. What can I say about San Jose without offending people? Um, Home of mini pit bulls. Mini chain link fences. The pit bull capital of the world. That's as far as I'm gonna go. It's as far as I'm gonna go. I'm not gonna. You're not gonna. You're not gonna drag me into this one. You're not gonna bait me, Mike. Behave yourself. I'm on to you. You Behave want me to get yourself. fired so you can work with another talent, so to speak. Sorry. So San Jose and Raleigh have something together going on together. Home values in San Jose rose 17.4 percent over the past year. Median home value in San Jose is $1.1 million and expected to grow 8.9% this year. Whoa. As Donald would say, whoa. Whoa. San Jose's got really big hands. Whoa. And pit bulls. San Jose's housing strength is buoyed, buoyed by a strong jobs market. How is that possible? There's an estimate that there's one third of one job opening per person. That's the highest rate amongst any large U.S. metropolitan area. Median household income is $110,000 in San Jose. You know what poverty is in San Jose for a family of four? It's like $78,000. You you qualify for food stamps at $78,000 of income for a family of four. Oh, my, my, my. Raleigh and Charlotte are ranked second, fourth, both states as far as housing destinations go, both areas have strong income and population growth as fast-growing research triangle anchor Raleigh becomes better known for innovations outside of its Life Sciences Bank of America headquarters. they got a lot going on there. Average household income in Raleigh is $71,000. So this is an interesting list. Let's bring in Tony Mendez, Bay Area Loan Source. He does my mortgage. He's actually putting together a mortgage file for me right here, right now, yet again. Good morning. It's like going to the proctologist. Uh, like, oh. There's not a just person not a, in this room who hasn't done that. Just not as stinky. I, I bring flowers to my proctologist. And there's something, uh, did you catch something odd about that, the stats from San Jose? $1.1 million price that's being buoyed by a $100,000, $110,000 salary? What am I supposed to catch? $110,000 salary doesn't buy a $1.1 million house. Okay, that's fair. With 20% down, that is. Okay. So it's kind of, um, the, the ratio is off a little bit. So that's what that's the only part that scares me. But the scarcity of inventory is what's booing most of the inventory. Okay. Or, sorry, the prices. You think it's an inventory issue? We, we do, across most of the nation. I mean, we're seeing it everywhere. Okay. So on this list of hot and sexy cities... Seattle, San Francisco, Austin, Denver, Nashville, Portland, 
and Dallas. That's worthy of note. Those are all pretty good cities based on jobs. If I were a young person, I would move to one of those cities because that's where the jobs are. It's like, do you remember the, the old movie where the, where the boys are? Nope. It's like 1950s, Annette Funicello. Um, and she decides to go to the beach to find where the boys are, her and her girlfriends. Girls want to meet boys. Boys want to meet girls kind of thing. Um, in this day and age, if you were just graduating college, you know, you've got cousins and, and, and such. Uh, where are they moving to? Like Charleston. They're yep. moving to where the jobs are. So is Charleston on the list? It's not, but it could very well be because it's very similar to Raleigh. Yeah, the, the what you don't see on there are a lot of second tier cities. You know, Austin might be considered one. Denver's definitely not. Nashville, we've we've seen that on the list for many many years, and Raleigh, of course. Raleigh's been on the list for the last fifteen years, right. Rob? Um, of course, the whole pretty much the whole Bay Area, but other places are popping up. Um, Sacramento, all of the last two years was a a, a huge huge uh, win for a lot of people there, like 10, 15, 20 percent year over year. Did you hear Sacramento's changed their name to Sacramento? <laughs> No, I did not. They're being sponsored by pimento beans. That probably won't work. Probably not a good idea. Not a good idea. Um, And there's, uh, you know, other places. Las Vegas and Seattle right now are the two hottest cities, which I'm surprised isn't on the list right now. Uh, Las Vegas is going up for other reasons. When you hit lows... You know, those retur- the, any small increases in home prices are going to look a lot bigger as a percentage. Dollar amount's not quite there yet, like Seattle, uh, which should be, the f- in, uh, it, it is the top of the list. Yep. So, because you have that $110,000 salary with home prices that aren't 1.1, they're more like five or 600000 So, that's why Seattle's seeing such a boom. And we're going to continue seeing it. Denver is, is doing very, very well. Denver, also known as Minver. If you're a young lady getting out of college... Move to Menver. That's not how it works. <laughs> you can find Tony Mendez at BayAreaLoanSource.com. He's doing my loan right now. He could do your loan. Good guy to know in the world of loans. You can find him at BayAreaLoanSource.com. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.